0: All right, well, good morning. It's good to be with you. Uh, It is a fun time to be able to watch movies in church or take a nap or whatever you want to do for the next 40 minutes. Uh, Just a couple of disclaimers before we jump into the sermon and into the movie clips. Uh, As always, most of these sermons totally spoil the movie, so if you've been wanting to watch uh, any of these films, uh, except for today, sorry there's no notice today, um, we're going to do the Eternals, Uh, The Adam Project, and King Richard. So if you've been wanting to watch any of those films um, ahead of time, please do that. Uh, Secondly, this is more just for my own conscience. By showing these clips in church, by discussing and unpacking these films, we are in no way endorsing the values and everything that these uh, media empires stand for. We are merely trying to engage culture, uh, be in the world but not of it, Uh, So, please don't read too deeply into uh, any of these decisions, any of these movies. Um, So, with that said, uh, I want to start with scripture, uh, in case uh, you doze off for the rest of our time. This is kind of what I want you to take away. So, Uh, actually, if you can stand with me, out of reverence for the word of God this morning. Uh, So, these are Jesus' words uh, from John chapter 15, verse 9. He says to his disciples, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my command, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Let's pray together. Good and gracious God, it is incredible to come here and to remember and to reflect on the fact that you came into our world, our space, our culture, and that you communicated this divine love in a way that we could understand. And so we ask that your spirit would come this morning, that you would interpret for us, you would translate for us what it means to be loved and to love well. And so God, we thank you, and we pray this in Christ's name, amen. You may have a seat. All right, so this morning, we are looking at the movie CODA, won the Academy Award uh, this past year. And I'm just curious, how many of you have seen this movie? Five people, all right. <laughs> uh, a little bit obscure, has a little bit of kind of that, like it, it's that type of movie that wins the Academy Award where it's like, what, what is that? What is that about? But I really enjoyed it. And um, I'm gonna give you the abbreviated version this morning, so you're welcome. Um, CODA is an acronym. It stands for Child of Deaf Adults. And it is largely the fictional story, of a girl named Ruby Rossi, and she is the only hearing member in her family. And the irony here is that she discovers that she has this gift and this passion for singing. And so let's just go ahead and watch this opening scene. It's coming. How you doing, honey? Hey, Ruby. I thought you guys were fishing first ledge. You done already for the day? Quotas. Get quotas, right? What are you gonna give him those haddock? Like, Two bucks a pound? Two fifty. And I'm being generous.
1: Two fifty. What are you guys getting at auction?
0: Come here, little honey. You let me worry about the numbers, okay? Sign up here. What are you gonna take for lunch money, too? So here, we are introduced to three of the four members of the Rossi family. So Frank's the father, uh, played by Troy Kotzer, who won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. And he's obviously deaf, uh, hardworking, loyal, very affectionate. Leo is the older brother, uh, also deaf, a skilled fisherman like his father. And he has this strong will to thrive in a world that sees him as less than. Ruby, like I said, is the only hearing individual in her family. And in the context of the Gloucester fishing community, she's tough, she's confident, she has a role to play. She's the only one who can answer the radio and communicate with the fish vendors and the suppliers of fuel and ice. But at school, we see that Ruby couldn't be more different. She is shy, she is isolated. She's insecure, and she mostly tries to keep to herself. She shares that when she first started school as a young girl, she spoke like a deaf person, as American Sign Language was her first language. And Ruby's experience at school being bullied and labeled and misunderstood largely mirrors that of Ruby's family in the larger hearing community. Now, this is Ruby's senior year of high school, and she's choosing electives. And on sort of a whim, she chooses to join the school choir. And Mr. V is the music teacher. And he decides to take Ruby under his wing. He recognizes that there is not just this talent, but this passion and this longing for singing. And he encourages her to apply for admission to the prestigious Berklee College of Music. And in one of their mentoring sessions, we see this interaction.
1: How do you feel when you sing? I don't know. It's hard to explain. Try.
0: Sometimes, there are ideas and truths that transcend the spoken word. For Ruby, singing resolves the inner stresses and tensions of her life. It gives her soul the feeling of lightness and transcendence. And the tension that we see in Ruby throughout the film is this tug-of-war between her deaf family, whom she loves deeply, and her passion for singing. As the only hearing person in the family, she carries the weight of being a liaison between her family and the larger hearing community. And of course, it's her role on the fishing boat that is probably the most significant, because this is how they uh, pay the bills. And what the film does an amazing job of is expressing the isolation and the hurt that the Rossi family experiences as minorities within their community. Let's go ahead and watch this next scene. I'm around the ball. Fair, fair, <laughs> but what he does, he loses me. his pants, I get onto his knees. <laughs> <laughs> no lie, no lie, nowhere to no word. He's hanging. But he's, he's no <laughs> but he's still like 30 feet from the floor. <laughs> but of course he
1: shocker.
0: He falls off, and on the way down, he's slowly like a flounder.
1: <laughs> Oh, sorry,
0: I'm, I'm, good. I'm good. Crashing oh. oh, yeah. What? <laughs> eh? Oh. Get out of my face. Get out of my face. Freak. Don't, 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 don't. <laughs> feel Leo's frustration, his helplessness, his rage. And each member of the family deals with this isolation and ridicule in different ways. Jackie, Ruby's mom, tends to focus on her physical appearance. She makes sure that she always looks good in public. Frank mostly minds his own business. He enjoys his simple life with his family. Uh, He enjoys smoking weed and uh, working as a fisherman. But Leo, Leo fights to find his place in the world. He's not satisfied with sitting on the margins, perpetually belittled and overlooked. Another stressor in the Rossi family is the everyday everyday struggle to make ends meet financially. The small fishing business is barely scraping by, and there are these environmental regulations that make it harder and harder for them to eke out a living. On top of this, the merchants who sell their fish at the market seem to be continually ripping them off. And so it leads the Rossies to partner with other local fishing families to start their own co-op so that they could sell their own fish directly to the public. This is tough because it puts Ruby in a hard spot because her skills as an interpreter are now needed more than ever. And as Ruby expresses to her family, the desire to sing and to attend music school, her dreams are met with skepticism and a general lack of understanding within her own family. Uh, In one pivotal scene, Jackie, the mom, says to Ruby, why would you want to sing? If I was blind, would you paint? And one evening during a tense family meeting, Frank and Jackie, argue that the family business desperately needs Ruby in order to function. They need her on board the vessel, um, as well as in their lives, uh, to to be that liaison, to be that voice that they don't have. And Ruby's honest, and this is one of the beautiful aspects of the film, the way the family interacts, the way the family expresses themselves. And so, Ruby, exclaims through sign language, I I can't stay with you forever. I've been interpreting my whole life. This is exhausting. And so that night, Ruby storms off to bed, and instead of dutifully waking up at 3 a.m. to go to work with Leo and Frank, like she has every day uh, of, of her older life, she decides to play hooky and do her own thing that day. Unfortunately, that is the day that the Coast Guard cites them for operating a fishing vessel without a hearing individual on board. So Frank is fined, he loses his uh, fishing license, and when Ruby finally comes home at the end of the day, this is the conversation that ensues.
1: they can't do that I told you I can't always be that person
0: The irony is that while the Rossies are isolated within the larger community, Ruby is isolated within her own family. Nonetheless, Ruby accompanies her family to the court hearing to resolve the suspended fishing license and to clarify the legal requirements for them to continue their fishing operations. The authorities require a hearing individual to be on board at all times, to answer radio calls and to communicate with the other vessels. And as an act of reconciliation, Ruby tells his family that she is willing to postpone her college aspirations and to stay home and help run the family business. Leo, however, the older brother, is upset because he no longer wants to be reliant on Ruby. He has this vision of a more empowered and integrated existence as deaf individuals in the larger hearing community. Ruby and Leo later have this heated exchange. this is a significant scene from the standpoint of the deaf community. See, Leo is played by real-life deaf actor, Daniel Durant, and he's communicating that he is not helpless. He has this vision that ultimately, as we'll see, sets both him and Ruby free to pursue their callings. One of the pivotal scenes in the movie takes place at the Gloucester High Fall Concert. Ruby's family comes to support her in spite of their general discomfort being in public and the fact that it is a scene performance that they obviously cannot hear.
1: And now I have a special treat. Sometimes you hear a voice and it reminds you to keep making music. Please welcome Miles Patterson and Ruby Rossi. to see you were my destiny With my arms open wide i threw away my pride i'll sacrifice for you
0: I love the artistic expression of the Rossi's experience at the concert. Just before this scene, we see uh, how they're experiencing the rest of the concert. We see that at times they're bored and they're unengaged. But then there's this moment when they realize that the audience around them is deeply moved by Ruby singing. They see tears, they see joyful, exuberant applause And though they cannot hear Ruby, they're happy for her. And they're both shocked and amazed at the audience's response. Perhaps after a lifetime of invisibility and ridicule, the experience of acceptance and praise is something that is completely new and unfamiliar. After the concert, the family drives home, and it's clear that Frank has quite a bit on his mind. Let's watch this next scene.
1: Every morning, dear. I took one look you, and it was plain to see, you were my destiny. When my arms open wide, I threw away my pride. I'll sacrifice for you, dedicate my life to you. I will go where you lead, always there.
0: This scene reminds me of the heart of God the Father. See, God's heart aches to be with his children, to understand them, to hear them. God is willing to cross barriers of language and culture and all of the ugliness that plagues humanity just to be with his beloved. One of the clearest portraits of the heart of God is found in Jesus' parable of the two sons found in Luke chapter 15. If you recall the younger son, after wishing his father dead, demanding his inheritance, dishonoring the family name, and ultimately squandering his wealth with selfish, immoral living, crawls home, poor, destitute, full of shame. And we read the father's response in Luke chapter 15, verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the younger son begins to grovel and beg for forgiveness. But the father interrupts him. He is so overwhelmed with joy to have his son home. Verse 22. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, why do you think that Jesus chose to use a fictional story to convey this truth about the heart of his father? I think that sometimes there is more to life and relationships than mere descriptive words. And sometimes, as we see in film, for example, spoken words are lacking. Descriptions and terms do not begin to capture the reality of the heart of the infinite God. Take the word grace, for example. We can define grace with descriptions like unearned favor, undignified, passionate, selfless desire to bless. And it is true, but the reality is that grace is so much more than this. Let's return to our scripture passage in John chapter 15. Jesus says to his disciples, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus says that love comes from the Father. And his core imperative for his followers is to love one another. And the greatest expression of love is that of self-sacrifice. And it is in this self-sacrificial expression of love that Jesus says joy is made complete and whole. And this is why God demonstrated his love for us. That while we were yet broken, in darkness, blind, Christ died for us. To experience the love of the Father is to experience freedom and joy, both in this life and the life to come. And we we see this in in Ruby in the film. On a last-minute whim, the family wakes Ruby up, and together the family drives to Boston so that she can make her audition at the Berklee College of Music. Driving into a world that rejects them and treats them as less than, the Rossi's cross the barriers that have confined them to life on the margins. And they do this in order to support Ruby, to give her a shot at living a dream that they could never fully experience or understand. And Ruby arrives at her audition late. She's not dressed as elegantly as the other applicants. And as she stands awkwardly on stage in a large, empty auditorium, Those reviewing her application condescendingly note her lack of musical experience. And Ruby looks down. She nervously plays with her sleeve. Uh, She's full of anxiety, seriously lacking in confidence. Let's watch this last scene.
1: Sorry, my mistake. Um, Can we take it from the top? and flows of And June's and Ferris wheels The dizzy dancing way you feel As every fairy tale comes real I've looked at love that way But now it's just another show fears and feeling proud to say I love you right out loud dreams and schemes and circus crowds I've looked at a life that way and now old friends they're acting strange they shake their Things game.
0: This is what makes the film heartwarming, uh, if not a little bit predictable, a little bit cliched. But the beauty is that there's closure and there's transformation to the characters and their relationships. Each member of the Rossi family finds greater freedom in their lives because of the love that is perpetuated within their family. And the same is true in the economy of God's kingdom. As we experience more and more of the love of God the Father, the more freedom we experience in our lives. The love of the Father sets us free. And when we think about how the love of God is communicated across barriers of language and time and human limitations, let us be reminded of Jesus' words in John 15, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And so, I have that question that I want to leave you with this morning. Where have you experienced the love of God the Father? What is the context? What are the relationships? What is the community that has surrounded you in that memory where you experienced firsthand how much God loves you? But I want to cap it off with this truth, this reality that these experiences come and go. The emotional cadence of our relationship with God changes over time, and it may be easy to second-guess and to forget how God has intervened in our lives. And so that's why I think it is so important that we remember that God has already spoken into space and time. And that is why he gave his son to die on our behalf. That is why when we look at the cross, there is concrete evidence that God loves. And that is not something that can change. That is not something that can be taken away. The cross will always serve as our ultimate reminder of the love of the Father. Let's pray together.